Hi, uh, welcome to the new voting project. My name is Kanal, still your host. Um, just want to clarify, we are looking for alternative hostess, hosts and hostesses, but um, that's TBD. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. It's still going to be me. Um, today, we're here with uh, Sarah Swan, um, who's a journalist at The Fulcrum, um, and she's a political reporter that focuses on political reform, um, criminal justice reform, and many of the subsequent topics that follow. Um, I'll link her bio and uh, website in the description. Um, thank you so much, Sarah, for being here with us today. I understand you have, like I said, a big responsibility. So we do appreciate your time for coming on the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. Um, so yeah, just to begin, let's get into these questions. Uh, for our viewers, I think maybe you should outline a little bit about your background. Um, and this is a question I ask all my guests, which is how did college prepare you for what you're doing today? Did, was it really a benefit or, or, you know, just give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, so my background, I'm originally from West Virginia, born and raised there. Uh, and then I went to college in New York at Syracuse University. And I think college definitely prepared me for what I'm doing now. Um, more the college newspaper I worked for, the Daily Orange, um, honestly, than my classes. Uh, I majored in journalism and political science, but I spent a lot of my extracurricular time uh, at the newspaper, uh, you know, working there all four years, uh, reporting, editing, and such. And that really gave me the experience, I think, to really prepare me to be a journalist uh, in the professional sense. Um, and so, yeah, that after I graduated from Syracuse, that brought me to my first job on the eastern shore of Maryland, uh, covering the local community there um, in Ocean City and Salisbury, covering, you know, local politics, tourism, the environment, uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and, and then from there, I made my way to D.C. and I've been here for the past two or so years um, since May 2019, uh, reporting for the Fulcrum, covering political reform. So just continuing with these issues, you know, before the election, during the election, and now in this post-election era, um, reporting on reform. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sounds fun. Um, and just to clarify, she does not have top security clearance, <laughs> although it would be kind of cool, just as an FYI. But yes, thank you so much for that. Um, I guess my next question is going to be, why choose, you know, the cliche question, why choose journalism, political reform? What drew you to kind of, you know, being an activist, but also having that role of a journalist and, and writing and, and spreading awareness? Why, why do that of all things? Yeah, well, I always love to write. Um, and so I think growing up, I was trying to look for, you know, sort of an outlet for that. Uh, and I joined my high school newspaper first, and that's where I sort of really got into journalism and like learned about what journalism was. Uh, and then when I went to Syracuse, it sort of solidified things for me, you know, taking classes and majoring in journalism, as well as working at the Daily Orange, uh, really just solidified that that is what I wanted to do. I really fell in love with it. Um, I, it it's a challenge, you know, but to, to report and to be a journalist, but it's a fun challenge to me. I think um, I'm really passionate about, you know, informing people about different issues and making it like accessible and understandable, you know, especially when it comes to politics. I think that's also what drew me to politics is that I think sometimes politics can be really um, convoluted and confusing uh, and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and so as a journalist trying to make, 
you know, my reporting accessible to everyone uh, so that we can all participate in our democracy is uh, really what's, you know, important to me as a journalist. And so I think that's sort of like how I came to be in the work that I'm doing, you know, um, as a democracy reform reporter, I'm reporting on all the people and organizations and like the movement at large to make our democracy better um, for everyone. And so I think as a reporter, you know, just reporting on the different dysfunctions in our government and, you know, how to fix them is, uh, it's really, it's really challenging, but it's really fun. Um, and it, it actually like, you know, makes you feel better at the end of the day when like, you know, there's a lot of terrible things happening, but uh, at the end of the day, there's also a lot of really good people trying to make things better, so. Right, yeah. Um, and just to clarify, how would you define a political reform journalist? Yeah, How would you define your job basically. Yeah, political reform um, is anything. I define it as anything that your, you and you in like the very uh, broad sense. You know, a person, an organization, you know, a movement of people um, are trying to make the government work better. You know, for the people basically. So whether it's you know, um, making voting more accessible, or if it's changing the way we vote, you know, um, implementing something like ranked choice voting rather than like, you know, just picking one candidate. Um, or if it's uh, reducing the influence of big money in politics or um, changing the way that maps are drawn um, so that legislators aren't drawing their own districts and it's more of an independent process. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of different issues, you know, fit under that political reform umbrella. And so I really just define it as any sort of, you know, movement or effort to make government work better. Right. Okay. And and as a political reform journalist, mm -hmm. what would you say are your um, core values, your principles? What do you specialize in, um, and why do you specialize in those fields? Yeah. So um, I think at the Fulcrum, you know, we certainly advocate. We're pro reform. We we do believe that our, you know, government is dysfunctional and it needs to uh, be better, but we don't really, you know, say this one method is better than the other um, because there's lots of different ideas out there. Um, and, you know, who, who, who's to say one thing is, you know, the, the silver bullet. Um, but I think at the core of it, it's just, for me, um, you know, it, it comes down to, to being like, to participating in your democracy, you know, like voting, I think is so important. Um, and so I think that's, you know, probably the number one thing for me. Um, and obviously the first amendment is super important to me as a journalist. Um, and yeah, so I think those would probably be at the top. Right. And I think you had mentioned as one of your reform policies, like changing how voting is done. Mm -hmm. As background, the central focus of this channel is to focus on voting rights. In mm -hmm. And so what would you say, let's circle back, let's say 2020, um, very interesting year, once in a century pandemic, crazy election, hyper, you know, polarization. What would you say you learned from the 2020 election? You know, starting from federal, state, municipal, you know, I participate in all of them. So wherever you found your niche, well, well give me your two cents. Yeah, well, I think the, the 2020 election was a big learning experience for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Uh, as a journalist, I think the biggest takeaway for me was 
Um, thinking about reporting uh, and being more intentional and clear about reporting. I think there was a lot of misinformation and disinformation that came out of the 2020 election. And I think that it's still happening. You know, it's still an ongoing issue, mis and disinformation. Um, and so thinking about smart ways that we can combat that as journalists um, is like a big thing that I think about, um, you know, how can we tackle this issue, debunk, you know, an issue without furthering the spread of the mis or disinformation. Um, and I think it's something the journalism industry is like sort of grappling with at large right now. Um, and so that I think that was a big lesson, you know, there were a lot of changes last minute and also confusing because there were new things, um, you know, people were voting uh, from home, you know, absentee voting for the first time, maybe. And so it was just all these different rules and, you know, like deadlines also, like when I need to get my ballot in, like when will they count it, you know, all these, all these different rules that we hadn't really had to think about before. Um, and so as journalists communicating all these changes, it's really important to be clear in that. And I don't think that we did the best job, honestly. Um, I mean, we can always improve the way we are as journalists. So I think moving forward, just being more clear about why like why the voting system is the way it is, you know, why there are changes being made and, and trying to combat the spread of, of mis and disinformation. And I think it's on the everyday person as well. You know, I saw a lot of like well-intentioned people on social media trying to share information that wasn't always 100% correct. You know, maybe it was like 75% correct, but that little bit that was, you know, not quite there could do some harm. Right, yeah, no. I think the real key topic here is, you know, voter education. Mm -hmm. at, every, at every level, you know, people like to focus on younger, younger folks, but I mean, for, for last year's election, there really should have been robust you know, education. Um, and how important would you say voting is, you know, regardless of your occupation, how, how significant is voting? Yeah, uh, I think voting is super important. Um, I mean, it, it's connected to everything that, you know, we care about it, regardless of, you know, if you say you don't like politics, there are things that you care about, right? And you can connect that to politics and you can connect that to voting. Um, and so I think it's super important um, to exercise your right to vote. You know, not everyone in this country, uh, in our history, in, our, in the history of our country, had that right to vote. Um, and so I think it's important that now that if you do, to exercise it. Right, makes sense. And on, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm Gen Z. They like to call that as our generation. Uh -huh. um, 16 17 year olds the next the next class of you know incoming voters should we be allowed to vote um school board elections municipalities you know why why is why do you think or maybe you don't think it's important that we should vote yeah you're talking about um under 18 so 16 right. 17 year olds yeah. yeah i mean i i think that i i've certainly covered this issue before um and i believe it's only actually adopted in a handful of jurisdictions that allow 16 uh, year olds to vote. I think Tacoma Park, Maryland was the first place to adopt that. And that's not too far from where I live actually. Um, and yeah, so I think it is, um, you know, a, certainly a way like proponents of um, younger people voting um, would say that it is like getting young people more involved in and uh, in being civically engaged at a younger age. And that just like, 
makes it better for when they're older voters, you know, 18 and up. And, and they just like, I think studies have been done and shown that like, you know, if you, if you start people at a younger age voting, they're just more likely to be civically engaged like throughout their, their lives. Um, and I, I mean, the arguments I've sort of heard, heard against it are just that they're too young or, you know, they're too immature to vote. Um, and so I, I don't know how strong that argument is. I mean, maybe it is for some people, but um, I think certainly one thing that there's more agreement on is uh, pre-registering people to vote, uh, young people to vote. So like if you're 16, you can pre-register and then when you're 18, you're, it's already done for you and you can just go to the you know polling place and cast your ballot. I think that's great. And it's a, a policy in like half the states, I believe. Um, and so it's much more widely adopted. Um, so if not allowing young people to vote, certainly pre-registering is an option. Right, yeah, I'm pre-registered by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I don't know how familiar you are with the issues happening in Georgia right now, but we see you know, conservative backlash against the 2020 elections. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on states like Georgia that are putting voter restrictions, you know, impeding the accessibility and ability to vote you know, Texas, um, these kinds of states, what are your, what are your thoughts and kind of walk me through what in the world of journalism, how important it is to cover those issues? Yeah, I mean, it's super important to cover all the changes that are happening to um, state voting uh, laws and, and practices in Georgia and elsewhere in the country. Uh, I think, you know, the 2020 election really made us think differently about how we vote um, and, and just voting in general. And so we saw a lot of different changes, a lot last minute changes, a lot of temporary changes during that election. And now in the aftermath, we're seeing states sort of evaluate what changes were made and move forward from that in good and bad ways, right? Um, we're seeing a lot of expansions, mostly in democratic states or democrat led states, I should say. Um, and uh, they're building on, you know, expansions that they already had, you know, in the works before the 2020 election, whether that's expanding absentee voting or expanding um, rights to people with felony convictions. Um, and we're seeing a lot of different uh, states take up more of those um, expansions. Uh, but then we're also seeing states like Georgia that are being more restrictive with their voting laws. Um, and I think it's just a reaction. It's it's a reaction of how you know the two major parties sort of viewed the election really um people who viewed it as um a success during the pandemic for all of us to vote and have that large of a voter turnout um during the pandemic was amazing um considering all the challenges people face right. um but then a lot of people do have like election security issues and I, uh, election security concerns i should say and I think some of those are valid, you know, election security concerns. Um, and there are certainly ways I've talked to experts about this. I've written lots of stories about this. Um, ways to improve election security without, you know, hindering voter access. Um, and and so I do think that um, it, it's a big it's a big you know sort of divergence that we're seeing in the country where we're seeing some states go um, the more restrictive route and others go. Um, the more expansive route, and then you have more purple states like Pennsylvania, for example, um, kind of get stuck. You know, they haven't found that compromise yet. Um, I'm doing a big project right now. It's ongoing um, where I'm analyzing all the voting laws that have happened, voting changes 
that have happened um, since 2019. So the first installment came out last week and I did the five most populous states, but I'm gonna be working my way through all the other states as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big thing that I've been thinking about, um, but I think when, maybe not misconception, but one thing people might think is that it's all just happening now, like all these changes are just happening now. But really like in my research, I've found that uh, a lot of these changes started before the pandemic, before 2020, um, but the pandemic and that election really just like sped everything up, you know, it was like a catalyst. Um, and so now we're seeing changes in a more rapid pace. And that's, I think, why it's more concerning and front of mind for people. Right, yeah. It's also, I guess you could argue the media and how they convey information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not a critique of what you do, but it's low-key a critique of what you do. Um, it's valid. Um, not to knock anybody today. <laughs> positivity, guys, positivity. <laughs> I guess you, you, you had touched on this when, when we first began speaking, um, the importance of the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the intersection or the impact of you know, journalism, politics, I guess you could argue elections, voting, political awareness? What, what would you say is the intersection of those topics with journalism and also protecting you know, the rights um, under the First Amendment? Yeah, well, I think it's often said that journalists are the, the fourth branch of government, you know, where people who are there to inform, um, you know, everyday people and, and also to hold the government accountable for their actions. And so I think that's really where it comes into play is that when it comes to politics, it is the journalist's job to, you know, hold them to what they're saying and also inform everyone about the decisions that they're making, that people in power are making for the everyday people um, and to inform them of, you know, what, what's going on um, and do so in a way that isn't like, you know, in the weeds, super wonky um, and hard to follow. Um, and so like everyone can understand it, even if they're not like super tapped into like Washington politics. It's like, that's what I try to do. You know, I'm based in DC, but I try not to get in that DC bubble where, you know, it's really easy to just get sucked into all that, but trying to make it accessible for everyone. And yeah, and, and like the First Amendment plays into that. Just like if we didn't have the First Amendment, journalists wouldn't be able to do their jobs and um, holding people accountable. Right. Yeah, makes sense. And I guess, how would you, um, how, how would you want us as Gen Z to focus on the work you do? You know, not mm -hmm. only as journalists, but in that entire umbrella, right? How do we prioritize, you know, our thoughts, our opinions coming in as, as I guess, the next generation, you could argue? Yeah, well, you know, I'm not that much older than Gen Z. I'm technically Gen Z, like the cusp, because I'm 25. <laughs> I'm in that like weird spot where it's like, am I a millennial? Am I Gen Z? I oh. kind of get the best of both. Okay. I get to pick and choose whichever one, uh, you know, suits me that day. But um I think for young people, Gen Z, young millennials, whatever. Um, I think, first of all, like this generation just does a really great job of already engaging with politics. Um, I, I think that because we're digital natives, because we're so active on social media, we already have this like connection and this like way of engaging with things that is very like impactful. And so I think it's just like continuing with that, you know, like there's, it, 
there's so much power in using social media to, you know, have a movement around something, to voice your opinions on something, to really politically engage. Um, and there's tons of organizations out there, um, and you can check them out on the fulcrum um, <laughs> that are want to engage uh, young people. And We're sponsored by the fulcrum. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and... <laughs> that's a discussion. We can discuss that. You know, it's definitely conversation. But yeah, I mean, there's tons, there's tons of ways to be involved. Um, most importantly, voting, obviously. I'm always going to promote that. But beyond that, um, there's there's tons of ways, um, to, you know, to speak your voice, um, and and obviously, uh, political campaigns are sometimes really bad about reaching out to uh, young people and caring about young people. It's sort of like, oh, they don't vote. Why would we reach out to them? But it's like I think by proving them wrong and going out and voting and being really engaged, it's like we can it can be a, like a really powerful voting block um, and can have a really big influence on the way things are done. Um, you just continue that engagement. Right. And like you were talking about the fulcrum, um, how can <laughs> viewers um, and people stay updated on not only your works, but also what the fulcrum publishes as, a, as an organization? Yeah, so you can go on our website, um, thefulcrum.us, and you can sign up for our newsletter. It's daily, um, it's free. And you can see all the stuff that we're reporting on. Um, you can also follow us on social media. Um, we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter at uh, the Fulcrum's handle on Twitter is at Fulcrum underscore US. You can also follow me on Twitter uh, at Sarah M. Swan. And I'll link these in the description. Yeah, put them in the, put them in the bio. Um, and yeah, um, that's, that's the main ways I think you can follow us for sure. And, and the Fulcrum and yourself are going to follow me back, right? Yes. <laughs> policy you know yeah. ending people to follow you know you gotta follow me back at least of course uh, and is there anything you'd like to add before we close out i guess just like following on that like ways to engage you know or to keep up with the fulcrum you can also engage with us you know like send us emails send us you know dm us on twitter um if there's like something you i don't know want to see covered or if you have questions about something um, or just curious or just want to reach out, um, we're always open uh, to hearing from readers. Great. Yeah, no, definitely. I encourage all my viewers to reach out and do their best. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. We do appreciate it. You're actually the first journalist we've had on the channel. <laughs> hey, look at that. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. Of course, of course. And you're always welcome back on the show. If you ever want to cover a specific story, um, we'd be happy to have you back. So thank okay. you and you know enjoy the dc life as it exists you know no no insurrections or anything no <laughs> do give me a heads up if you hear <laughs> yes thank you so much sarah thank you of course peace out take care